do it here. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, perfect. Oh. This is such a great church. I know you all know that because that's why you're here. But I'm so grateful to St. John's, the congregation, the leaders. There's this wonderful atmosphere here, and we have found it to be so healing and so encouraging and so loving. So I'm sure you all feel the same. And the worship today, wasn't it lovely just to feel so free and to be able to worship God together? That reading was a bit heavy, heavy going really, wasn't it? But uh, that's the Word of God. And it's about uh, the two books of Samuel. There's Samuel 1 and 2. Uh, we were doing a crossword today, and it said, who was the last of the judges? And the answer was Samson. Well, actually, that's wrong. He was the last of the judges in the book of Judges, but Samuel was the last of the judges. There was Samson, then Eli, and then Samuel. And uh, so the thing I was asked to do was, why did Samuel anoint David when he'd already anointed Saul. What was, what was that all about? Well, I haven't got all the answers, but I can try and dig into it a bit. So God is searching the kind of person that he can use. And the story of King Saul and King David is about just that, really. And for 200 years, Israel had been ruled by judges. And Samuel and Eli, well, Samuel was the last of those. And Samuel was born to Hannah, and I'm not going to go too much into the story, but do you know about Hannah? She was desperate to have a child. She was barren. She cried in the temple where they used to go up to the tabernacle, her family, every year. And the other wife had loads of children, she didn't have any, and uh, she was getting a hard time. She had this other woman in her family, and she was desperate for a child, and she prayed very sincerely with lots of tears, and she said, Lord, if you give me a little boy, I will give him back to you. And dear little Samuel, when he was just weaned, he was taken to old Eli uh, up there in Shiloh, and he was left there. And Samuel grew up in the tabernacle as a priest in training under Eli. And Samuel was well qualified to serve Israel as both priest and judge. Now, the nation had fallen away from God. They were into idols. And God is preparing Samuel at a very young age to lead the nation back into right living with himself. Now, uh, 46 years ago, I felt God led me to, to him. Actually, it was a young woman who talked to me about Jesus, and I thought, this sounds as if he's a real person. And then I did discover, all those years ago, I was 30, that Jesus was real, and that he loved me, and that he could forgive me things I thought I could never, ever be forgiven of. I just thought I'd just gone too you know, just beyond the pale. But God showed me how much he loved me and he 
rescued me and he healed me. And that's God's plan. It's to bring people back to him. So the people of Israel want Samuel, who was a good judge and was doing a good job, when he was about um, 65, they thought Samuel's getting on and there doesn't seem to be anybody who uh, can follow him. Actually, he had about 3,700 years left of uh, ministry, active ministry. But, um, and God actually had chosen Israel to be different. God was to be their king. And these judges were to be ruling under God. And they were prophets. And, uh, you know, but God was the king. In Exodus 19.5, it says, Out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom and priests and a holy nation. You are to be different, is what God was saying. But in 1 Samuel 8, we see them saying, Give us a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. So Samuel, under God's instruction, actually, anoints Saul. And Saul's very tall. He seems very good-looking and capable. And actually, he starts rather well. He had the blessing of God, but not the approval. He won so many battles, and he was doing rather well, but he became very arrogant. This is just an overview. Um, and he uh, was sinful and rebellious until God finally rejected him as king. And unknown to Saul, King Saul, who was by then, a young shepherd and musician named David was anointed to be Israel's next king. But it would be many years before David was on the throne. And David was asked by Saul, actually, to go and play his harp in the palace. So he was well known as a musician. And Saul loved David. He made him his armor bearer. And, uh, of course, we know the story of David and Goliath. And uh, this victory was actually the beginning of the end of Saul's love for David. The Israelites praised David more than Saul, causing Saul to become so jealous that he plotted to kill David. That's a bit of an overview. So, right from the start, when he was anointed as king, Saul disobeyed God, as, as we just read. And these are Samuel's words to Saul when he disobeyed Samuel and took things into his own hands. He said, now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And when Samuel goes to Jesse's house uh, to anoint one of his sons, he sees this Eliab, who's rather gorgeous, and he thinks, well, this must be David's anointing. And but God speaks to Samuel saying, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Both Simon's and my families, our background was of outward appearance. That was the thing. We, for Simon, it was he was to look respectable and be chivalrous and uh, he came from a good background. You know, it was what was seen on the outside. And for me, my family was a bit too theatrical. Uh, we were to look attractive and pretty. Pretty people were praised. And of course, when I was a child, I knew that I was not pretty. I was but rather plump as well. And um, 
my sister was very prickly for, for I felt a bit better when I was a teenager and I could wear a bit of mascara and my puppy fat dropped away. But it wasn't until I met Jesus that I realized how beautiful and wonderful and marvelously nice it was. And, uh, but I've always struggled a bit with image and uh, it's probably why I wear mascara and makeup because I think I look better with it. But you know, if I get up early and rush out to the shops and I'm not wearing makeup and I bump into somebody that knows me, they go, pardon me, are you Sue Nelson? And I go, yes, I'm absolutely fine. I don't look very well. And I say, well, that's actually because I'm not nice. Saul was ignorant of God's laws and ways. He didn't want to be taught either. He didn't recognize Samuel as God's anointed priest. He went ahead just like the nation at that time and he did what seemed right in his own eyes. He was soulish. He was led by his soul, not by the spirit. And our souls are old nature. You know, it sort of still hangs around a bit and we have to, St. Paul says, put it to death. Because it's often there, isn't it, with its passions and desires. And uh, there's a little poem here. I don't know who wrote it, but it goes like this. Two natures beat within my breast. The one is foul, the other blessed. The one I love, the other I hate. The one I feed will dominate. He was not humble, Saul. But because he'd been chosen and anointed, he presumed, having once experienced the power of God's spirit, he thought that was enough. And he didn't enter into God's pool of purity. His heart was not right, Saul. But David humbled himself. And his training basically was out in the wilderness. It was out in the countryside, uh, looking after the sheep. He was passionate about his job as a shepherd. Passion always has a bit of suffering with it, actually. And he was a shadow of the one to come. He left the 99 and he went after that sheep that was in the jaws of the lion. He overcame the lion and rescued the sheep. He overcame the bear and he rescued the sheep out of the bear's clutches. His training was backstage. And that was preparing him for center stage. His job and his sheep were worth dying for. And that's what Jesus was like. And Jesus went after the one. He went after that demoniac. People were thinking, that man's too far gone. You know, he'd completely forget. But Jesus knew that he was going to save the one snatch him out of the clutches of the evil one. What goes on behind the scenes with us? Sometimes I know I battle to make a decision that perhaps I don't really want to make, which gives me strength and faith for tricky situations in life. And with all of this, it's what's going on behind the scenes that strengthens us or weakens us. It's not the outside affairs of what people think. And I struggled in the past. I've wanted people to see me, to think, 
how it's different. Well, and uh, I, I just really wanted, wanted people to um, think well of me. But David knew his God on his own. He worshipped. He lived from the inside out. He kept his heart right, his thoughts, his attitudes. He was fully committed to God. And he was secure enough in his relationship with God and in his knowledge of the scriptures to express his fears and failings and his needs to God. I wonder how he knew all those scriptures because it shows us in the Psalms he knew all about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. He knew about Moses. And I like to think of his father, Jesse, gathering his family and all those sons around the table and uh, opening the scriptures and talking about what God had done in the history of the Jews and the nation of Israel. He knew God's power had no limits. He was expecting miracles. He had integrity of heart and he was very secure. He knew that he can't hide from God. He says, where can I go from your presence? God is still looking for the kind of person he can use. The kind of person he can use needs not just to be humble like David, but obedient also. And obedience is humility. In fact, humility is fully realizing and obedience that God's plan, God's timing, God's laws are actually the best. Better than our own, that is. God has always used weak people to obey him. People who will cry out to him in trust. And David so often in his lifetime inquired of the Lord. Not always, but mostly. And whether he should fight certain battles. Saul's sins spring from a heart that fails to seek God. And in the Old Testament in Chronicles, it says this, Saul died because he did not inquire of the Lord. And you'll notice in the early in the scriptures that Simon read, um, it says the Lord your God for Simon. He doesn't say the Lord my God. He doesn't really know God. He didn't seek guidance through, through Samuel or scripture or prayer. So Saul's journey of disobedience in life shows us that it prospered in an atmosphere of blame shifting. He, he always wanted to shift the blame off himself instead of repentance. And Saul shows us that fully grown disobedience results in compromising with the enemy. And that's what he did. Rather than consulting um, God, he goes to consult a witch. Really very sad. And uh, it's tragic, the life of Saul. So the kind of person that God uses is humble, obedient, and pure. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And in a world where people judge one another based on what they look like and on the outside, and where people prefer outward comfort rather than the inner training school of trials, the Lord warns us that he looks at the heart. And he's looking for pure-hearted people. You see, at first Saul received the Holy Spirit, and in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on particular people at particular times for, for particular tasks. But he had a one-off experience, and that was not enough to make him 
the kind of person that God could use. And later we read that the Holy Spirit had departed from Paul and an evil spirit had entered him to torment him. Now David loved God's presence and he allowed God's spirit to teach him and train him in humility and obedience and courage. And if we want to be people like that and if we want to move on in our Christian lives to be part of the team and be part of leading and, and, and doing things to further God's kingdom, then we will need the humility. We'll need the fruit of the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the character of God, the self-control, the long-suffering, all these things. Yes, we will need the gifts of the Spirit, which we have to use with all our energy. But the Old Testament says, guard your heart. Because I know that I just had three little baby children when I first knew the Lord. And I had lots of time on my own to be able to spend time with God. And that was such a precious few years for me. But once I started to get involved in church and involved in leadership and things like that, it's so easy to let these other things come. The other side of the coin is jealousy, factions selfish ambition, you know, and, and when you're working with other people, I was very arrogant, I was very, I thought, well, why don't they understand what I'm trying to say? I've got the best idea of how you can evangelize or how we can do this. And, you know, we had to come back and back because you can be passionate, but you can be impatient and argumentative like I was. And but we have to let God deal with us and sort us out in our hearts. And the kind of person God uses is a person who loves God's name. Um, and David's greatest passion was not to become king. It was to demonstrate the greatness of the Lord's name to the nations of the world and bring glory to God. And knowing for a long time that Saul had become his enemy and Saul's armies were after him, you know, when David had that opportunity to, to actually kill Saul, he didn't. He had the opportunity twice. And after Saul's death, David grieved for Saul. It says he grieved for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel. The Lord is looking for men and women who are consumed with the desire to display God's glory. The kind of person God can use is a person who loves his name. And King David, he loved God. He wanted to bring glory to God. He wasn't happy that the ark wasn't in its rightful place in the city of Jerusalem. And so he brings the ark back to the city. And he's just ecstatic with joy as he lifts up the holiness of God's presence and name. He worships God with a sincere heart and with all his energy and selflessness. He looks foolish in the eyes of those who look on the outward appearance, but God sees his heart. The kind of person God can use is a repentant person. David failed as a perfect person that God could use many times. He wasn't perfect. David sinned like Saul at times. But unlike Saul, he quickly repented of his sin. And God prizes heartfelt repentance. 
Davis' adultery, his scheming, his murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, is a shocking story. But he truly was not. And the power of temptation is very real. And the story warns us that Scripture tells us the thing David had done was evil in the Lord's eyes. And there were consequences, painful and destructive. And this kind of sin is never without consequences. But God wants us to be encouraged that sinful but repentant people are still the kind of people that he can use. Saul never repented. He was remorseful. He was full of regret. But like Judas, he never repented. And if we're humble and obedient, pure and passionate to his name and repentant like David, then he does promise to strengthen us so that we can be used of him. Now, sadly, things would not improve after David's reign. Well, they were very good uh, when his son Solomon came to the throne. Uh, There was a wonderful time, and and Solomon was a wonderful king until, in the end, he, he went rather badly wrong. But largely, the kings that followed David's house ignored God's law and uh, the covenant. But Jeremiah the prophet says this. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right. He will be called the Lord our righteousness. And if you remember at Christ's birth, the angels announced the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. His kingdom will never end. Jesus was perfectly humble. He was perfectly obedient. He was perfectly pure and perfectly zealous for his father's name. And he died on a cross as God's perfect sacrifice for sinners. I mean, we know he didn't stay there. I think we all know that. He rose again. He's alive. Yeah, he's seated at the right hand of God and he's coming back. So, to finish with, David is an example, not of an exceptional hero, but an ordinary person with strengths and weaknesses and insecurities, but being transformed through his relationship with an extraordinary God who used him mightily. And in the beautiful Psalms of David, we can see that he was aware of his sin, but he was more aware of God's salvation and God's forgiveness. He was aware of his weakness, but he was aware of God's mighty power and strength. He was aware of God's call on his life, but he was aware of the need for God's anointing and God's presence. He was aware that he could be fearful, but he knew where the source of that fear came from, came from the evil one. And he he refused to yield to sin. And he was aware of God's love, which brought him security 
himself were unsignificant. And he writes, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unseen.